Hey guys, welcome back to Cup of Goals with us and I'm. Hello, listener. Hello. Hello, Maggie. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm I'm okay. Doing well. Superman does good. You're doing well. That's right. Sam has a paper towel roll, so if you hear him chewing, that's what that's about. He's licking his uh, dick sheath right now. Well, yeah, now it's now it's dick sheath licking time. So, so yeah. Well, I guess you, we could, uh, I got I got a bunch of news. I got a whole bunch of news. You want to do some news? Do you, you have are you news? Turning off your iPad. <laughs> Is it time for for politicking? Because I'm getting tired of the politicking. No. Okay. Good. No politics. I'm gonna stay away from that this week. Thank God. All right. So let's talk about the situation in Israel. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> just see your face. <laughs> just see the face you make. I was like, all right. <laughs> Have fun. All right. First off, well, this isn't, I don't know that this is really news. But I, I think myself and probably a lot of Star Wars fans just assumed that after the travesty that was The Last Jedi, that Ryan. That they were just going to shutter all of Star Wars stuff? No, that Ryan Johnson would no longer be getting a trilogy to direct because that was promised to him. And then after Last Jedi being the lowest grossing Star Wars movie, you would think, oh, people don't want Ryan Johnson's Star Wars. But it's it's moving full steam ahead, apparently. And uh, one of our listeners, Brad, our friend Brad, friend of the show, asked me how I felt about that. And I told him I would address it on the podcast. And I, I think my feelings are probably pretty obvious. I don't I think was like, have to go too deep here. Uh, it's, it's, I feel you like know, Brad I knows Ryan, you well enough to know how you feel about that. I liked Ryan Johnson just fine until, like, I liked Looper. I liked Brick. Those were fine movies. There was I nothing. Tell you, Looper yeah. as, um, as a name, not not as a movie. The movie. Yeah. I, I saw only parts of the movie, and the movie's doing fine for what I saw it is. of it. It's, it's a fine movie. It's nothing. There's nothing in there that reeks of a resume for Star Wars. But Looper, for some reason, I picture it as like L-U-P-E-R, like Lupus. Okay. As the name. And it's like, like I just picture it as like some dude with Lupus <laughs> as the name, as the main character. Like Looper. Like it's this dude with Lupus. Well, that's horrible. Right? That's all I, imagine how, imagine my idea of the movie. It's terrible. So, yeah, he's going to, he's still having his trilogy. He's still going to be filming it, apparently. And it's, uh, I, I just don't know why. I, Remember when you, I when we understand. started the podcast and we used to care about our ums and our uhs and we used to edit them out. And now you're just like, uh. <laughs> Sometimes there's nothing else to say other than, uh. <laughs> that's pretty much how I feel about Ryan Johnson's Star Wars. There is a morbid curiosity for me with this stuff, though. And I will most likely go see it. Who did Solo? That was, who directed it? That well, was I don't a whole know. thing. Who's the Ryan Johnson of Solo? The director, well, that's kind of convoluted right there. So the guys who directed the Lego movie and who directed Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse were originally the directors. I always confuse it. It's like Phil Lord and Christopher Miller or Christopher Lord and Phil Miller. I don't I, I don't always get what, their names confused. I, yeah, I don't know what you're saying. So those guys who have directed successful movies 
Lego movie, Spider-Man Funny the movies. Spider-Verse. Yeah. Funny, good movies, enjoyable movies. They were in charge of it pretty right up until the end. And then they brought Ron Howard in to finish it up. They fired them and brought in Ron Howard to to finish Solo. And I guess they refilmed some stuff, some scenes. So I don't I don't know the full story because they haven't really disclosed it. But Lucasfilm, what's her face? Kathleen Kennedy wasn't happy with their direction. And so she brought in Ron, Ron Howard to finish filming Solo. Okay. So I don't know if it would have been better. The rumors, the the stuff I read, I liked Solo. Yeah, I thought I thought it was it was a solid flick. It was an enjoyable flick. I but liked the it. the stuff on the internet was that they were trying to make it too comedic, which I I don't think that would have been bad. Dude, I I can see that. I mean, like I believe that because the Lego Movie and Spider Verse, Spider Verse are but funny. They, both those movies have heart though, and they're both really good. Yeah. I like so, so I, Lego I, movie. I, I feel like that might have been a mistake. Kind of I mean, like it's pulling, no Lego Batman, but uh, it's it's kind of similar to when they pulled Edgar Wright off of Ant Man. I think that was a huge mistake. And Ant Man movies are enjoyable, but imagine an Edgar Wright Ant Man movie. Yeah, that. I mean, that guy is a directorial genius. Like he's never done anything. Speaking bad. Speaking of which, let's stop recording and go watch Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> no. Like, bye. So, yeah, my thoughts on Ryan Johnson's trilogy still proceeding are basically, I, I just don't understand it. I don't think anybody's clamoring for it. It just seems like more bad decisions from Lucasfilm. They're they're pretty much the opposite of what's going on at Marvel Studios over at Lucasfilm. Just every Marvel Studios idea seems to work out and be a win for them. And Lucasfilm, they, I really... I know I've said this a hundred times, but the, the people up top don't get Star Wars is what it comes down to. They just they don't know what they have other than a big money maker. And they they don't have respect for the original movies, period. And the, I think that's we're just going to keep seeing the fallout from that. Uh, that being said, can't wait to see Rise of Skywalker this December. I'll be first in line. <laughs> Because I am nothing if not a hypocrite. And I just, I got to get my Star Wars, man. You know of any Star Wars dealers out there? Because I don't, I don't know of any. There's nobody else. It's just, it's just Lucasfilm right now. That's, that's the name in Star Wars. So that's where I go for my Star Wars because I need my Star Wars. Jesus. I know. I have a problem. I, I know. I, I don't know what to tell you. But I need my Star Wars. And I will watch that whole franchise just keep going down in flames. Until the very end. All right, on to other news. You may remember I mentioned that Neil Blomkamp was directing a new RoboCop movie. Yup, I remember that. <laughs> okay. Sure Clearly do. you do not. Neil Blomkamp, the director of District 9 and Chappie and Elysium. He, he's a good Elysium? sci-fi. Elysium? Elysium. Elysium? Okay, I don't know. Elysium? Uh, that's what it looks like to me. Elysium. Okay. Elysium? Uh, <laughs> we got it. <laughs> we got I it. I just don't know. Anyway, he was he was going to be directing a sequel to the original RoboCop. Mm-hmm. And he was going to be using the original suit and all this stuff. And it was all very exciting. And just recently he said he is off that movie because he wants to film this other some horror movie he's making, but MGM is still moving ahead with RoboCop, but they haven't announced who is going to be directing that. 
So this could be good news, could be bad news. Because I like Neil Blomkamp, but again, I don't think he's done anything amazing. I like a lot of his ideas. And Elysium or Elysium? He's done one of Pick those. one, yeah. I don't... Uh, he's done one. Don't really care. Doesn't matter to me how you Oprah, pronounce it. Oprah, Uma, Uma, Oprah. Uh, so, yeah, MGM's moving full steam ahead. They want to get this RoboCop sequel made. So hopefully whoever comes on has at least the same excitement for the original that, that, that Neil Blomkamp had. You could tell he really wanted to do a service. Now, I don't know what's with this guy because he was also supposed to direct. What's with this guy? He was supposed to direct an alien movie that was going to be a sequel to Aliens. It was going to go, you know, Alien, Aliens, and then skip all the shitty Alien movies, right? Then he was going to do even more Aliens. And he pulled out of that as well. So I don't know if he's just like unreliable. Or if he just gets really excited about stuff. And is like, you guys, I'm going to do this. Yeah, he was also supposed to direct a Halo movie. Oh. That never happened either. He did a short based on Halo. Or maybe he just is, maybe he just announces things too soon before, like, they're actually solid. I, I think there's something else going on. I don't think, because nobody comes out and disputes what he says. Nobody's like, hey, we haven't hired this guy. Calm down, bro. I think he just... I, I don't know if he, like I said, if he's he's unreliable or maybe people don't like the direction that he ends up choosing to go. But it's just weird that it never seems to work out with these big franchises for him. I'd be I'm curious to know what what happens that he he's lost Halo, Alien and RoboCop now. Those are three franchises I would love to work on. You know, next week we're going to be reporting Neil Blom. What's his name? Blomquist? Blomkamp? Neil Blomkamp. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to report Jesus. that he's killed himself because he just can't seem to land a major franchise. But he does land them, though. Nah, he lands Elysium. Elysium. No, those are the movies he... I think I think he's too headstrong and he likes doing his own thing because he wrote and directed all those movies. Or he had something to do with the writing. I'm not sure, 100% sure if he wrote them. But he... he see, he's like one of those fiercely names. independent guys. Names that are easier to pronounce. <laughs> Lomquist? Blom Camp. Camp. He's he's African. Like I mean, he's he's from South Africa. What does that have to do with it? Like his name, like he, it's got a you know I don't know if he's like Dutch or what, but I have lost. We've lost the thread. Like what <laughs> are you talking about? I don't know the origins of Blom Camp. I don't know what that where that name comes from. That doesn't help me remember it. Like him being what African is, doesn't have anything to um, do. No, I'm telling. I'm not saying so you remember. I'm saying that he he has a last name like that for. So he's he's a is South he African. South, oh, he's yeah. South African. Uh, yeah. Uh, please. Uh, uh I don't know. It doesn't say anything about the history of his name. Sorry. Okay. Um, here's, here's a tweet though. Yeah, he's just like he just he's just four days ago off RoboCop shooting a new horror thriller, and MGM can't wait. They need to shoot RoboCop now. Excited to watch it in theaters with other fans. That's, okay. uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, All right. Well, I guess I don't. Care. Anyway, here's the here's the big news. Here's the good news that I just read, just got announced. So there's a really big Masters of the Universe convention this weekend. It's like it's like the big one, you know. <laughs> it's the big Masters. Of the, why are you laughing? I didn't know there were multiples. Of course there are. It's Masters one. of the fucking universe, man. Uh. What? So the big one is this weekend, and Kevin Smith was there to mediate some... Um, some Master of the Universe competition? No. <laughs> I, some uh, of the panels, one of the panels. Okay. And they announced 
they announced that Kevin Smith is bringing Masters of the Universe back to its animated form for Netflix, and it's going to pick up where the show left off. It's called Masters of the Universe Revelation. It's going to be on Netflix. It's Kevin Smith. I am very excited. Because, you know, they did the She-Ra reboot on Netflix, which I could give a shit about. I was never a She-Ra person. And I was like, where is He-Man? Where is the guy who started this franchise? And he's he's coming back. So there's the a movie that'll be next year. The franchise, actually, but okay. But yeah, but it starts with him, though. His, his yeah. name. It's his name on the, you know, that he started the whole thing. So Kevin Smith. So do you need to know where the show left off in order to be able to pick it up? So here's because what I remember of He-Man. And, you know, I've watched some episodes recently. He-Man. There's not a whole lot of continuity there. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, that's so, what you just said. It's going to pick up where the show left off. And it's like, well, I think that's oh, just a way of what if I don't know where the show left off? Because it was always just like, he, 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 he man. Well, I think that's a way of telling the fans do bad things, kids. And that's how the show left off. I think it's a way of telling the fans that it's going to be part of that. Universe. universe that they love that, okay. that it's not a brand new separate thing that it's a continuation of it and so it'll have the same characters and possibly the same vibe i don't know i hope not but it doesn't have the same vibe <laughs> like oh maggie had never seen any of the the 1966 batman tv show and i didn't know that till yesterday that you had never seen it i had no reason to see it but how could you not have seen it on well, TV? You've seen like the seen, Andy Griffith show. I had seen snippets of it, like in the Lego Batman movie, when they show the flashback and they're like, "That weird time from the eight, the sixties," and then they show like Batman the dancing. Yeah, the Batusi yeah. dance. I don't know what that is, it's but it's bad. The, it's the Batusi. It's bad. Yeah, it's bad. Tusi is what it is, <laughs> and it's like Singer. it's. It's a uh, so yeah. So I had you watch. Well, I actually what I put on was uh, so uh, somewhat recently, a few years back, DC decided to capitalize on the Batman sixty six stuff. They put out Batman sixty six comics, and then they put out an animate a couple animated movies that had Adam West doing the voice Burt uh, Burt Ward or wait is it Burt Ward Burt Young Burt Ward. Ward Burt Ward doing Robin. I don't think any of the villains, I mean, Cesar Romero is dead, obviously. I think Burgess Meredith is probably, I always thought Burgess Meredith died in, in Rocky when he gets punched down the stairs by Mr. T. That, that's when I thought that guy died. But <laughs> as a kid, I really, I thought that guy was dead. <laughs> like, You're like, yeah, he was punched down the stairs by Mr. T, so right. he's, he's dead, dead now. I was a little kid. That was one of those <laughs> movie deaths that I, where I was just like, oh, that guy's dead. You don't survive <laughs> a punch by Mr. T. Like, that's not. Punched to death. That was very realistic in my in my estimation at the time. Yeah, you know how imagine it is. my surprise when he showed up and like grumpy old men. Uh, but like Crowley is on a, a hunt. He is just sniffing around the house. So I show we started watching this animated thing, and you were very confused by it. Yeah, I was like, "What's happening? Is this you, meant to you, be terrible?" <laughs> you didn't understand the campy tone at all. Uh, you know the. Well, that's because, like, I think so little of your shit that I can't tell when it's meant to be terrible. Why, why do you think so little of my stuff? Because you seem to enjoy about 99.9% .9 of it. So why would you have that opinion? Well, because, for example, when you watched Hush, you kept telling us how wrong we were, and then we were right. 
Oh, you want to get you want to get into the spoilers for the Batman Hush thing? No, we're gonna get into spoilers. No, for Batman I don't. Hush. I don't. So Batman Hush was a storyline from like the mid two thousands in the comic books. It it spanned over twelve issues of Batman and Detective Comics, and I read it at the time, and I knew who Hush was from the comics. So then, Hush fast is forward apparently to now, a person, by the way. Yeah, Hush is is this new villain they introduced. Well, they changed the identity of Hush. I'm actually not going to reveal who it is. I'm just going to tell you, if you know who Hush is from the comics, that is not who Hush is in the animated adaptation of the comics. They completely changed his identity, and I don't really know Jesus. why. It wasn't for the better, but it wasn't necessarily for the worse. Crowley is just four by four and over me, ran into my mic. <laughs> Crowley, please lay so, down. But, yeah. So they changed his identity, and, and, and you, you and Mason you, were... And Logan. All of us. Yeah, everybody, everybody's do. like, oh, so Hush is so-and-so. And I'm like, no. Yeah, and he's telling us how stupid we are. And like, nope, never said anybody was stupid. And he's all like, you're all a bunch of morons. Nope. And I can't believe never you Never issued so dumb. any insults whatsoever, actually. And, and I just like, said that I was waiting for the final reveal because I was like, it's no. Like, it's like a bunch of dummies. And they're, he's clearly dropped a toy down there. Can you pick it up? Or he's going to growl the entire time. So... We're watching this and they're all like, this is clearly who Hush is. Here are all the clues you would possibly need. Here are three, for example. And it's all of the clues that people who don't even follow Batman would need to put it together. Here's the thing, though. They had that same thing in the comics, but Hush was just using that person's information to to pursue his agenda. And so that's why so I was waiting for us, the big reveal. So all three of us are like, OK, well, this is clearly who Hush is. And Sean's like, no, you guys are a bunch of morons. I can't believe you're my family. <laughs> and we're all like, why would you say that? It's not <laughs> funny. I don't talk to you guys like that. Sean never talks to us like that. But but for the sake of the way I tell stories, we're going to say he does. And that's why I think so little of his shows, because so because of a show we watched yesterday and then it is completely dashed your opinion. But then immediately following you put on this garbage Batman version. So I'm like, are all your shows just total trash? I don't Wait, understand. So you think Batman Hush was trash? Well, they told us who it was. Like, you told me it was very adult the whole time. It was time. very adult. They were constantly That's what you were making, saying the whole time. They were constantly making sex references and sex jokes and sex <laughs> things. Yeah, they and do that in some of the straight-to-video animated yeah, stuff now. The whole time they were like, like Nightwing, and vagina Nightwing the bangs, whole time. Uh, Harley Quinn in one of them. It's that's not appropriate <laughs> for who <laughs> animation. I don't know. Yeah, because South Park doesn't exist. Right. I don't know. I don't know. I'm old. So the whole time <laughs> you just don't like it because it's Batman. You think Batman is a child's property and they should people shouldn't be having sex. You think Batman doesn't fuck Batman fucks. <laughs> All right. Like that dude has to fuck. Don't talk to me like that. <laughs> Batman's all, fucking. This is all very inappropriate. Getting his fuck on for real. I don't like it. It's gross. Did I tell you about when they? So earlier this year they were uh, they released a Batman miniseries called Batman Damned. <laughs> Batman fucks. That's what it's called. <laughs> but you could see Bruce Wayne's penis. Okay, in it. I don't want to talk about. They draw. About this. Yeah, you get to wanna... see Bat Dick. Yeah. No, 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 no. I don't like this. <laughs> Like, yeah. I'm out. Like, uh-uh. Yes, ma'am. But the whole thing, gross. All right, so I'm very excited about New Masters of the Universe. 
Maggie would have, I don't know where she would be without my taste, actually. She would have never have seen Scott Pilgrim. Scott you probably Pilgrim would have never seen, good. you probably wouldn't know Edgar Wright at all. You wouldn't have seen Shaun of the Dead or any of those movies. You wouldn't probably care about the Marvel Universe. I'd still have been just pretending to have seen The Matrix. <laughs> right. You wouldn't have seen any of the Star Wars movies. Like, good <laughs> I lord. Been fine. That was fine. You would still be watching, like, the Harry Potter movies. <laughs> Like, that would be your thing. The Harry Potter movies were terrible. The but why did you watch good. them all the time? I didn't. You did. You had, we had a five-disc okay, DVD changer, and we used to load that thing <laughs> that's up. That's an old-timey-ass statement. Yeah, well, that's what we had, and you would load that thing up with Harry Potter movies and Lord of the Rings movies. And Shrek. And, and Pirates of the Caribbean and movies. And Shrek. Yeah, you would have all that stuff in there, and you would... Like, I like fantastical things. That, do you like Piss Fantastic off. Beasts? That, no, I don't really like that. Did, did you watch the one? I, it's yeah, funny. I watched it with you. I keep trying to like Harry Potter because I, I have I have this weird problem where if something is popular and I don't enjoy it, I think there's something wrong with me. So I try to I'm like, man, but this is so popular. Why wouldn't I like that? Now, some some of the things I get like Fast and the Furious. That's not for me. I'm not trying to like that. I will never watch that. That looks terrible. But. Another example would be the Grand Theft Auto games. Yeah, I'm a big that's, gamer. That's you. I bought Grand Theft Auto four like three different times. I bought I, I had Grand Theft Auto three. I had Vice City. I was actually I'm going a fucking OG hipster here. But me and Bubba were the first people I know to ever play Grand, the original Grand Theft Auto on PlayStation one. A lot of people don't even know it was a PS one game, but Bubba rented it one day. And it was a top-down view. It was completely different. And we just thought it was hilarious because it had, like, killing sprees and all this stuff you were supposed to do. And the driving and handling was terrible. But we thought it was a fun novelty. We we had no idea it was going to blow up and become some crazy huge franchise. So, yeah, Grand Theft Auto 4 comes out. And, you know, it's, like, the biggest game. And I keep trying to like this game. And I'm like, but the driving mechanics suck and the shooting mechanics suck. And that's 100% of the gameplay. So where do I come in to this game? It'd be like if I picked up Halo and the shooting was terrible, you know, or you picked up Modern Warfare and you were just like, man, the shooting the aiming in this is atrocious. You wouldn't play that game anymore, right? Because that's a main mechanic in the game. Right. So same thing with Harry Potter. I, I'm like, I really try. Like I bought them. I have the first, what, five movies on. I mean, I have the first two movies on DVD. I have like... The third movie on HD DVD because it they, <laughs> they didn't come out on Blu-ray yet, and it wasn't until years later they did Blu-ray. And then uh, I don't know. I have like the first four or five movies. Though. I have the books on hardback. I might have the first three or mo- four movies on DVD actually until the next. Do, 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 um, but anyway, do, do, do. and I I was we would go to the theater see the movies as they came out, and then the one was going to come out where Dumbledore dies. I don't want to talk. Oh, spoiler alert! No one cares. No one cares about Dumbledore, I'm pretty sure. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Well, he's he's like a cardboard character in the movies. Oh Why would you God. care? Like, he's literally like he is. He's like a D&D character. He's just an old dude with a beard who pops up occasionally. There's like no emotion. It's like when you watch Obi-Wan Kenobi die. Nobody's sad when Obi-Wan Kenobi dies. You like Obi-Wan Kenobi, but he's just the old guy, the old wizard. That's all he is. Like, there's, he's you the guide in the hero's journey. Yeah, that's what he is. That's all he is, though. I mean, he's he's just kind of a prop. He's not really 
Uh, and not to slight Alec Guinness at all, but that wasn't his death wasn't emotional. I don't, I don't think it was meant to be either. It was you know emotional for Luke. I don't think Alec Guinness wanted his death to be emotional. He didn't want anything to do with <laughs> Alec Star Guinness Wars. Really was just ragging all over Star Wars. Yeah, didn't want anything to do with Star Wars, but yeah. But yeah, same thing with Harry Potter though. So I I rented Fantastic Beasts when it came out because I'm like maybe I'll like this, and I didn't hate Fantastic Beasts. I don't remember it. I do remember there being like a duckbill platypus that I liked. Niffler. Niffler. Yeah. I liked him, but everything else was just really. It, it, the way Harry Potter does approaches Niffler magic is a, is a type of animal. It's not. It's like when people called porg, called the porgs. Oh, niffler. porg. Is it not a duck-billed platypus? No, oh, it it's a like. niffler. It's a niffler. Yeah. Does he have a name? I don't know. Oh, well, anyway, I, I saw the movie I, with you. Um. But the the way they approach magic, which I don't really like magic anyway, because magic is ridiculous is I just don't understand why they can't do more with the magic or they only do certain things at certain times. It's really strange to me how they do magic. And, like, they need to have some goddamn guidelines and rules for what magic can do in these movies. They do. It's There's a ministry but, of magic. Duh. But it doesn't apply in the movies. Like, they'll go from barely being able to do anything to by the end of the movie they're doing amazing shit. And meanwhile, it's been, like, two days. Like, why Why can you do all that now? Why didn't you do that yesterday? That would have really solved your problem if you had waved your wand and said this yesterday instead of waving your wand and saying it today. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not asking you. I'm just saying that's that's a problem Well, you're maintaining eye contact with me while, to you. while asking me. <laughs> so that's why I assumed ahead. you were asking me. <laughs> all right, so we've been going for, like, what, a half hour now? We haven't even got to our topics yet? Yeah. Oh. What's you wanna, your topic? You want to go? My topic is it depressing? Okay. Do you want me to it go? always is. Well, not always. Last week's was fun. This week was meant to be fun, but then I got it gets depressing at the end. All right, let's let's have it. So this week we're talking about Phil Hartman. Oof! How did you not know that was gonna? What the hell? I said you it know was how depressing. that story ends. I said it was depressing at the end. <laughs> Jesus! <laughs> I said. <laughs> I right. said so. <laughs> Everybody loves Phil. Hi, I'm Troy McClure. <laughs> so I said it. I said at the end, it gets depressing. And it's your fault because you did The Simpsons. Okay. So you propped that door wide open. Right. So he was a Canadian-American actor, comedian, screenwriter, and graphic artist. He was born in Ontario, Canada, and moved to the United States in 1958 when he was 10 years old. He graduated from California State University with a degree in graphic arts and designed album covers for brand for bands such as Poco and America. I don't know what those are. Do you? I've heard of America. Yeah, me too. I live here. So I, working, I met the band. Oh, <laughs> I don't know what Poco is, though. So working alone as a graphic artist, he frequently amused himself with flights of voice fantasies, as he described them. Citing the need for a more social outlet for his talents, he at 27 years old, he began to attend evening comedy classes in 1975 at uh, the Groundlings. Oh, okay. So while watching, yep, while watching one of the troops' performances, he climbed up on stage and joined the cast. <laughs> that's how that works. <laughs> you just jump on stage. You're part of the Groundlings now. And that's when he joined the he joined the um the classes by like he paid for it by redesigning the logo and all the merchandise because that's what his degree was in smart yeah so there he met paul rubens 
and helped develop Pee Wee Herman. Nice. He then co-wrote Pee Wee's Big Paul Adventure. Paul Rubens would be a good topic. Go I ahead. Bet. You think, though? You can go do Paul I Rubens. I like Paul Rubens. Go for it. So he made re- recurring appearances as Captain Carl on Rubens's show, Pee Wee's Playhouse. Rubens and Hartman made cameos in the 1980s film Cheech and Chong's next movie. Although he'd considered quitting acting at the age of 36 due to limited opportunities, the success of Pee-wee's Big Adventure brought new possibilities and it changed his mind. Hmm. After a creative falling out with Rubens, Hartman left Pee-wee Herman's project and pursued other roles. After appearing in the 1986 films, Jumping Jack Flash and Three Amigos, which I love. (laughs) I love Three Amigos. Herman successfully auditioned for the NBC variety show Saturday (laughs) Night Live. It's funny to hear it called a variety show. That's what it is. But it's a sketch show. It's a variety show. Yes, there is music. It's called a variety show. That's so weird. He told the L.A. Times, I wanted to do SNL because I wanted to get the exposure that it would give me. <laughs> yeah. Like, OK. Um, he wanted to ultimately write movies for himself. Ah. In the eight seasons with the show, he became known for his impressions. He performed over 70 characters. His favorite character was Eugene, the anal retentive chef, which I don't remember. I do not remember that guy. I remember Unfrozen Caveman Lawyer. Yes. His other impressions included Frank Sinatra, Ronald Reagan, Ed McMahon, Barbara Bush, Charlton Charlton Heston, Phil Donahue, and Bill Clinton, which was his best-known impression. Right. I remember pretty much all those. At SNL, Hartman was nicknamed The Glue, which was a name coined by Adam Sandler, according to Jay Moore's book, Gasping for Airtime. Yeah. However, according to the biography of Hartman's life entitled You Might Remember Me, The Life and Times of Phil Hartman. (laughs) You might remember me from such films as. Yeah. That's great. Um, It was written by Mike Thomas, author and staff writer for Chicago Sun-Times. Um, the nickname was actually given to him by Jan Hooks. Oh. Hartman often helped his other cast members, which is why it was called. He was called the glue. Right. Because he held them all together. So Lauren Michaels explained the name as, quote, he was the kind of person who held the show together. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know what? I'm not trying to brag, but. I extrapolated that uh, pretty quickly. Uh, <laughs> as soon as you said he was the glue, I didn't think like, they were like, you know what? You remind me of horse hooves. <laughs> like that, that's not what? what popped in my head. You look a lot like Spooge. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, Lord Michael said that he held the show together. He gave to everybody and demanded very little. He was very low maintenance. Michael's also added that Hartman was the least appreciated cast member by commentators outside the show and praised his ability to do five or six parts in a show where you're playing support and you do remarkable character work. Hartman won a Primetime Emmy Award for Outstanding Writing writing for a Variety Music or Comedy Program for SNL in 89. And he was nominated in the same category in 87 and individually 
in 94 for outstanding individual performance in a variety or music program. See, SNL is a variety show. No, oh, yeah, like I got, that's I got what that. it's. That's I just, I just don't think of it that way because it just seems like an old timey term. Yeah, like Viva Variety. Exactly. Yeah, we just got like zany. Yep, like like fucking Sunny and Cher. Yeah, exactly. So Hartman became one of the stars of NBC of the NBC sitcom News Radio in '95, portraying. I like, I like that. Show. I haven't watched that in a while. Is that on any streaming services? Like, I want to revisit that. I wonder if it holds up at all. All I have to do is Google the show and yeah. then streaming. Yeah. And then you find out. I'm gonna do that right now while you talk. That sounds like you. <laughs> that sounds like something you do. And then you'd start watching it while I was talking. Is that what I do? You just hear me watching classic, news radio. Classic Sean. <laughs> oh, so he started He started on that show in 95. He said that he left. He stayed one year after everybody else left. Like after um, everybody else <laughs> left. Who was that? It was like Joe Rogan, David Foley. Oh, no, I'm talking about... I'm sorry. I'm talking about... Um, he stayed one year on SNL oh. after everybody else left because he was promised by NBC if he stayed one more year, they would give him the, his own variety show. Oh. Well, then his variety, this isn't in my notes, but this is stuff I read. Well, then the variety show format tanked in yeah. that year. So he left and started on um, Simpsons, right. doing oh. vo Simpsons voices and then got news radio. Oh, okay. But I'll go to Simpsons after I do news radio. But anyway, so he starts in 95 on news radio portraying Bill McNeil. And he signed after being attracted to the show's writing and the use of an ensemble cast, a joke that he based McNeil on himself, that any ethics and character that, that he and joked that he based McNeil on himself with any ethics and character removed. Hmm. Hartman made 50,000 per episode. Nice. And although the show was critically acclaimed, it never really did well in the ratings and cancellation was a regular threat. After completion of the fourth season, Hartman commented, we seem to have rather limited appeal. We are on the edge here. Not sure if we're going to be picked up or not. Kind of like 30 Rock. Constant. Yeah. I bet it holds up. Anyway, it probably does because Dave, Dave Foley, Maura Tierney, Joe Rogan, um, Hartman, those Steven are the Root. ones. That, Stephen Root was on there. Yep, Man. I I wow. mentioned him later, so that's how I know. But he added that he was ninety nine percent sure the Susan the series would be renewed for a fifth season. Hartman had publicly lambasted NBC's decision to repeatedly move news radio into different time slots, but later that, that never helps. Regretted his comment, saying, "This is a sitcom for crying out loud, not brain surgery." He also stated that if the sitcom was canceled, it'll just open other opportunities up for me. Although the show was renewed for a fifth season, Hartman died before production began. Oof. Hartman provided voices for numerous characters on the Fox animated series The Simpsons, appearing in 52 episodes from 91 to 98. He made his first appearance on the second season, episode Bart Gets Hit by a Car. Although he was originally brought in for a one-time appearance, Harbin enjoyed working on The Simpsons, and so staff wrote additional parts for him. He voiced Lionel Hutz and Troy McClure, as well as several one-time and background characters. His favorite part was that of McClure, and he often used his voice to entertain audience in between taping episodes of news radio. 
Nice. He remarked, my favorite fans are Troy McClure fans. He added. <laughs> that's funny because that's like, when I think of Phil Hartman, I think of Troy McClure. Yeah. That's why when you when you did Seinfeld, or when you did, not Seinfeld. Sorry, we've been watching a lot of Seinfeld. When you did Simpsons last week, that's what, that's what it took me down. He added, it's the one thing that I do in my life that is almost an avocation. I don't know what that means. I feel like that's like a calling. Oh, okay. I do it for the pure love of it. The Simpsons creator, Matt Groening, said that he, quote, took Hartman for granted because he nailed every joke every time. No. And that his voice could produce the maximum amount of humor with any line it was given. <laughs> In 1980. Lionel Hutz. That, was that the guy? Was that the monorail guy? Yeah. Yeah. In 1987, Phil Hartman married his third wife, Bryn. She was born Nancy Joe, a former model who aspired to be an actress and a screenwriter. But she eventually found herself relegated to the role of a housewife and a mother to their two children. Despite Burns' growing feelings of discontent, almost everyone of Hartman's close friends believed that Phil and Bryn were happy. Yeah. They seemed happy and they seemed content at parties. They led a pretty low-key, non-celebrity style life and they had a modest ranch-style home in Encino. Stephen Root, Hartman's news radio co-star, felt that few people actually knew the real Phil Hartman. This has turned into an episode of Snapped. Just so everyone, you're the narrator <laughs> of Snapped right now. Everyone <laughs> thought everybody was fine. By all accounts. They, by all accounts, they were deeply in love and showed great affection for one another. In Except public. for the part where she shot him in the head. But, bum, bum, bum. So, um, Stephen Root, who is Milton from, uh, office, from space. office Space. Yeah. He's on he's on Barry now, too. He's on Barry. He was in a he was in Oh Brother Art, though. Stephen Root said that few people knew the real Phil Hartman. He was one of those people who never seemed to come out of character. But nevertheless, he gave the impression of a family man who deeply cared for his children. The reality was that his, the marriage had its difficulties. Bryn reportedly felt intimidated by her husband's success and was frustrated that she could not find any of her own. Although neither party wanted a divorce, Hartman considered retiring to save their marriage. Wow. He tried to get Bryn acting roles, but she became progressively more reliant on narcotics and alcohol, entering rehab several times. That's not a good thing. That's a bad thing. Like, that can alter your judgment. Bum, bum, bum. This is foreshadowing. Do go on. Because of his close friendship with SNL associate Jan Hooks, Britton joked on occasion that Hooks and Hartman were married on some other level. Hmm. Also not good. <laughs> Bryn had purchased several handguns and had placed them around there and see no home. Like you do. She had Remember when you did that the other day? You were like, honey, I got all these handguns. Where do you I want just them? just place them around our Encino <laughs> home. Like, Can you take that one off the lamp? It just doesn't go. I don't like that one. Well, I bought it. It has flowers then... on the handle to go with the lamp. <laughs> so anyway, she believed they needed protection from their crazy celebrity stalkers. Hmm. She was afraid they might come after her husband and their kids. Right. It is unknown whether Phil conceded to this arm armament. <laughs> so on the evening of May 27th, 1998, Bryn Hartman visited 
Uka de Beppo in Encino, yeah. California, with producer and writer Christine Zander, who said she was in, quote, a good frame of mind. <laughs> After returning home, Bryn and Phil had a heated argument, and he threatened to leave her if she was using drugs again, after which he then went to bed. Between 2 and 3 a.m., Bryn entered the bedroom where she crept up beside her sleeping husband, who was wearing a purple t-shirt, and boxer shorts with cartoon dachshunds on them from The Gap. Remember when The Gap was like, where you buy your underpants? That was in the 90s. No. Oh, yeah, you didn't do that, but other people did. <laughs> oh. She placed the gun near his head and face, and she pulled the trigger several times, striking him once between the eyes, once in the throat, and once in the upper chest. Wow. She was intoxicated and had recently taken cocaine. Hmm. Their two children were asleep in the house. Jesus Christ. Did she, didn't she kill then, herself? Then she left. Wow. I the she children could. in the house and everything. So she drove to the friend to to the home of her friend Ron Douglas's, and she confessed confessed to the killing. But he didn't believe her. Right. So the pair drove back to. What are you on about? <laughs> like, like, come on now. <laughs> like, come on, Phil's fine. So the pair drove back to the house in separate cars, and on the way back, Bryn called another friend and confessed again. Upon getting to the house, and uh, Douglas saw Phil's body and called 911 at 6.20 a.m. Police arrived and escorted Douglas and the Hartman's two children from the premises, by which time Bryn had locked herself in the bedroom and committed suicide by shooting herself in the mouth. I thought she killed herself. Before the killing, Bryn had been taking antidepressants. Uh, she'd been taking Zoloft. So a wrongful death suit was filed in 1999 by Bryn's brother against Pfizer. And her child's a psychiatrist who had been giving samples of Zoloft to Bryn. So she didn't actually have a prescription. Jesus Christ. Hartman's friend and former SNL colleague John Lovitz was accused, had accused um, Hartman's former news radio, news radio co-star Andy Dick of reintroducing Brenda cocaine, causing her to relapse and suffer, suffer the nervous breakdown that caused her to kill Hartman. Dick mm. claims he didn't realize she was an addict. In 2006, Lovitz claimed that Dick had approached him at a restaurant and said, I put the Phil Hartman hex on you. You're the next one to die. Oof. Lovitz responded, responded by twice pushing Dick into the bar and the following year at the Laugh Factory Comedy Club in Los Angeles. Lovitz and Dick had a further altercation. Can you call him Andy Dick? Andy Dick asserted that he was not at fault in relation to Phil Hartman's death. Bryn's sister Catherine and brother-in-law Mike raised Hartman's two children. Hartman's will stipulated that each child would receive their inheritance over several years after they turned 25. Phil Hartman's estate was $1.23 million. In accordance to his will, his body was cremated and his ashes were scattered over Santa Catalina Island's Emerald Bay. Uh. So that was fun. 
So that's the Phil Hartman story. That's Phil Hartman. I never knew what actually caused her I can to imagine being that. Like, dude, I really, I, I can't wait for you to just blow up. Like, and I mean, like, professionally. I was like, <laughs> you want me to kill you? No. I mean, I I would love to ride your coattails is what I'm trying well, to say. Well, he you know? was, see, here's, here's what it was. I would have no problem being Phil Hartman's housewife is what I'm saying. She really thought she was going to be somebody. Yeah. And she wasn't. And then she was such an addict. And he was like, you can't be an addict anymore. And she was like, so I can't be an actress or an addict. She just sounds like, <laughs> like, a, she she sounds like, like a shit person, basically. Yeah. She was self-absorbed, didn't appreciate what she had. Was The kids were six and nine. Ugh. Yeah. Couldn't imagine. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's all horrible. Yeah. But I, when you, when you brought up Simpsons last week, like Troy McClure is a staple in the Simpsons to me. Right. Yeah. I mean, even though he was only there for, you know, seven years. Right. To me, those are the seven years that really made the Simpsons. Yeah. So. He's there for the early years. Yeah. The best years. And it's like, that's, that's why I was like, all right, cool. So I'm going to do, uh, I'm going to do the fucking. I think I always so assumed there was some sort of um, I thought there was domestic. Inf- like I thought, I thought there was there like was domestic in- abuse on his part. I don't I, know why I assumed I that or read that. I thought there was infidelity. So see, why we we had our own. Ideas That's of why what I started doing. I I did the research and multiple multiple sources confirmed she was she was on drugs. She was just and it, she, she was, was just shit crazy. She was fucking nuts. No, and she just killed him. He had wow. It's un. I mean, it, I mean, it's always unfortunate, obviously, right? But. Like he truly did nothing wrong. See, yeah, the he reason I think like, the reason I thought it was abuse is because that that almost seems like a reasonable response to abuse. To right. cheating, that's not a reasonable response. I just, but I thought that's what it was. Like I thought because everyone was like, "This is his third wife," and I was like, "Oh, she fucking snapped. She was just like, you're not leaving me. You're rich, you know." Like yeah. I, I just thought I still didn't think it was reasonable. I just figured that's what it was because it's like a third wife. Are you kidding? But his other wives were just like, he's emotionally distant. Like, that's why we got divorced. Like, no one had anything bad to say about him. Wow. Even his other wives, they were just like, he's an emotionally distant human being. Yeah. Like, that's how he is. Man. And he, you know, he was, he was toughing it out with her. He was trying. He's trying to make it work. Like. Uh, It's it's very sad. It's terribly sad. It's tragic. Dumb bitch. And that's, is, but I was trying to do like my murder, but also like something people like, like Phil Hartman. <laughs> yeah. People we like, like Phil when, Hartman. When beloved icons get murdered. That's what we like. But I think it's important to find out like what happened to him. No, I, did, I, I, I did like hearing that get hashed out because I never pursued, you know what I mean? I, I think I heard bits and pieces and right. just drew my own conclusions and like never. You don't really want to go looking into it. Yeah. Like when I did the research earlier, it bummed me out. I had to walk away from my computer after I did the research. Yeah. I was like, this is a fucking bummer. Yeah, there really is. It's like. You know, the, the kids and everything. Yeah. She fucking left. She like shot their dad and then was like, I'm going to head out. Right. I got to go to this guy's house. Who the fuck is that guy? Right. Why'd you go there? Why was that Who your first stop? Who the fuck is that guy? <laughs> like, let's, let's ask that question. All right. Well, let's bring it around to one of my super mega happy topics. Everybody. 
It's going to be like, let's talk about Spider-Man. Let's talk about fucking Deadpool. <laughs> let's talk about these guys that we've talked about a billion, jillion times. This time we're going to talk about fucking Spider-Man's left web shooter. We've not talked about that yet. You know what's funny? It's like, people are like, yeah, I, I want to hear that. There yeah. are people who are like, People yeah. are like, what about his left web shooter? Yeah. Does that, does that have a different chemical makeup? And if they can do the I, I just want to point out, fluid. Maggie watched Endgame with me last weekend. Why does that need to point out? It needs to point out because... You saw it. Well, first of all, you said you were never going to see it. Then you were there with me on like first opening weekend to see it. And then when I when the Blu-ray arrived on Saturday, I put it in and you watched it. And I cried. Yeah, it's going to make you cry. Cry. That's part of it. That's part of the experience. Like I've a, just accepted it. Like a bitch. <laughs> but you watched it again of your own accord. Like I didn't make you oh, watch it. So I didn't ask sad. you to watch it. And you just watched. You didn't put your earbuds in. You didn't, you, you just watched it. You were like, I'm going to, yeah, because it's a good movie. It's sad. It is sad. But yeah, Maggie watched Endgame twice now. She has seen it twice. And at some point, I'm going to do an Infinity War Endgame back-to-back viewing. I, I don't know, man. <laughs> you really don't like watching Vision die either. That one bothers you. <laughs> anyway, yeah, Maggie watched Endgame twice i just oh, wanted Scarlet to put that out there like you've ruined my life and he's all like i don't even know who you are and she's like you will <laughs> that's a great scene oh my god so many great scenes all right so this week i'm going to be talking about absolute carnage do you know what that is i want to i want to know what you think absolute carnage is i think absolute carnage is woody harrelson <laughs> all right all right. Uh, so, so I think it might be Ronald McDonald. Uh, all right. So Absolute Carnage is the big summer crossover event going on in Marvel Comics right now. It just oh. started this month in August 2019. And I'm here to promote it, not because someone's asked me to, but because it deserves promoting. And so first of all, let's explain what a comic book crossover is for those of you who don't know. Do you know what a comic book crossover is, Maggie? If I just say yes, will you not talk about it? <laughs> no. Oh, uh, then I then no, I don't. You don't. Okay, so I didn't think so. So a comic book. So basically, a comic book publisher, in this case Marvel, they have all these titles: Spider Man, Captain America. Well, I know what a crossover is. Yeah. So what they do for a like, crossover I'm not event? Stupid. Well, no, but I, I just want to. I've seen BoJack Horseman. Well, yeah, everybody knows what a crossover is, but what what they do in comic books is they'll take, so everybody has like their own stories going on. The, the Avengers have their own stories right now. The X-Men have their own stories. Spider-Man has his own stories. For a crossover, they bring everybody together. And the reason they do this... Yeah, I know what a crossover is. is to, but they bring everybody. They bring like all the titles into it. It's not just... So it's like, it's like watching Civil War. It's kind of, yes. Or Endgame, where oh. everybody... Well, that was an Avengers movie, but yeah. But yeah, but, you, but everyone was there. Yeah, but Civil Everyone. War was a Captain America movie, and everybody showed up, and my mind was blown. <laughs> okay, but Endgame's the same. End Endgame is actually a little bit more accurate because every time they do one of these big crossovers, it's has it has effects on the Marvel universe at large afterwards. And so, right now, it's this this event is called Absolute Carnage. I feel like Civil War is pretty accurate because it had some serious. Civil effect. War was a big crossover, it had, and it had a pretty fucking serious, but it, it, like repercussions. It okay, but people gotten they got I'm just mad saying, at each other. Civil War. Do you War, not remember how mad Tony Stark 
and Captain America were at each other. They were mad. It, it, it absolutely was friends. a crossover, but my point is... They were all like, I needed you. Civil The Civil War that took place in the comics was more along the lines of Endgame. Literally, every it wasn't just like eight heroes. It was everybody. That's why I'm saying it's more like Endgame. It was everyone. It was the Gary Oldman, everyone! But did you, it was like that. Did you not see the movie? I, I've Cap, seen the movie. Cap and... And All right, you're Stark. right. I'm wrong. I'm sorry. They were Let's move so on. mad at each other. Yes. They were like, it was, it was like, I needed you. Yeah. It was like <laughs> single tear. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember. It was and the saddest moment like, in movies oh my since God. Like Terminator 2. I don't want to talk about this. All right. All right, I'm just going to leave so, you to wrap up the podcast. I'm going to go have some chips. The real, the real reason they do these crossover events is to get people like me to buy other comic books, right? So yeah, I no buy, That's what they I do buy Spider-Man and I buy Venom. But I don't buy X-Men. I don't buy, I don't read Avengers. I thought Avengers. Carnage was like a person. He is, and we're going to get into that. Yeah, I thought it I thought it was Woody Harrelson. I thought it was Ronald McDonald. It's That's in the movies. That's completely separate. So yeah, so the real reason they do these crossovers is in, is in the hopes that people like me will then be like, oh, well, I need to buy the absolute Carnage issue of Captain America. Well, I read, I read Captain America. That's not a good example. <laughs> um, I have to pick up the Captain, or I have to pick up the Carnage issue of Captain Marvel. I'm not, but I'm not going to pick that up. I don't care what happens there. I, I still stick to my main, I'll, I'll read the main book. They'll, they always do like one main book, which is called Absolute Carnage, which will run for probably about six issues. And then the story will bleed over into all these other things. So I'll, I'll pick up the Venom stuff and the Spider-Man stuff and the Deadpool stuff. But I don't, I don't really care about this. And they, they have all these other things going on. So anyway, that's what a big comic book crossover is. It's just a big giant money grab, basically. However, this one is really cool because it's, it was started by Don Cates and Ryan Stegman, the current team who's working on Venom. 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 Venom got good for the first time ever Venom, last Venom, year. Venom, Venom, When this creative team took over. I've, I've been a Venom fan since the 90s. And I've said this before and I'll say it again. Venom has never had a good story. Eddie Brock Venom anyway. And these guys came on and actually took Venom and made stories worth reading. So that's very exciting. I don't know exciting. what you're talking about. Didn't you see Topher Grace when he had those like fake teeth in? Stop bringing movies into my comic book world. They are two completely separate things. They have nothing to do with each other. Topher Grace had those prosthetic teeth or whatever, and he was all like, I'm trying to slap my lines. It's not going well. Anyway, so what I thought I would do is kind of discuss where did Carnage come from? Where did Venom come from? Like Venom came from space. <laughs> all right. We're going to go a little bit deeper into that. We're going to go into the comic book origins mm. of these characters. I don't think so. Where did Carnage come from? Space. No, he did not. Not space. <laughs> so you don't know where Carnage Hell. came from? No. That would be Earth. Mephisto. <laughs> uh, yeah, kind of. I heard, well, like, I nailed okay, it. But there's, so again, done. there's a little bit more to that. All right. Magma. He came from middle of the Earth. So Carnage is a symbiote who is bonded, who's best known for being bonded to a guy named Cletus Cassidy, who is portrayed by Woody Harrelson at the, in the, the stinger at the end of Venom. Yeah. With the, with the, with the Ronald McDonald wig. Yes. It's terrible. And it, I was right. I was talking to, uh, uh, actually friend of the show, patron Christian at work, who is a big carnage fan. Oh, and, and I didn't know wanted, that existed. What carnage, carnage fan? fans? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Really? Yeah. Carnage is huge. Really? Yeah. Not, I've never heard of him except for the Woody Harrelson little bit. I've got an action figure right there. You see the red guy? That's Carnage next to Mega Man. No. He's next. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's Carnage right there. Oh, he just looks like. 
He just looks like a regular action figure. <laughs> well, but did you want him to? He's red. Up? I don't know Woody Harrelson. <laughs> no, he doesn't look like Woody Harrelson. Stop it. Uh, killing me. All right, so he just symbi- looks like Spider Man, but red. All right, so the symbiotes. Uh, oh, oh, wait, I, I got sidetracked. Christian suggested. Okay, so Cletus Cassidy is a redhead in the comics, and he's like a tall, skinny dude. The guy he suggested is the guy who played Rorschach in Watchmen, and I don't remember his name, but that's a good... He's a he's a short guy, but he's, like, scrawny. He's a redhead. He's a good actor. What about that Redmayne guy? Redmayne. Oh, wasn't that his last name? The guy from Fantastic Beasts. Oh, I I get. I don't really know that guy too well. I only saw him in that. I, he looked, he's, like, he's super scrawny. Yeah. Um, and then I saw another suggestion the other day, and it's it's left my head already. But anyway, for some reason, they're going with bulky Woody Harrelson. Uh, I, I don't know why they're doing that. Yeah, Eddie Redmayne. But you, you kind of you need somebody to do a southern accent, too, because that's kind of his whole thing. But yeah, he might be good, though, too. If he can do like a southern American accent, yeah, he, he could actually be good. Oh, oh, I remember now. Uh, the guy who plays Pennywise now would be a good pick. What's his <laughs> Yeah. Is that Bill? Bill yeah. somebody? Um, he's one of the brothers that they are, uh, and the, his father is also one. Yeah, they're them. like, they're like Scottish or Dutch or. They're none of those things, no? but yeah. Oh, I thought they were. Skarsgård? Pe- Bill Skarsgård? Yeah. 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 That's a good suggestion as well, because he, he's creepy. Anyway, he's a good actor. He was in Deadpool. Right. Deadpool 2. Um, and he's all like, Dang, and he does that with his eyes, but he like does it really with his eyes. Like his eyes actually do that. Yeah. Like Pennywise. Just kind of, he's got a lot of independent control over his eyeballs. Which is the coolest thing I've ever I, seen. I have a lot to cover here, so I don't know how long you want to do this podcast, oh, <laughs> but it could take another hour, hour if, if we don't move on with my topic here. <laughs> all right. So, how about like I engage with your topic and you shut me down? <laughs> You're getting sidetracked. We were talking about Bill Skarsgård. We got to get back to the topic. It's Swedish, I think. <laughs> Okay. All right. You're going to engage anyway. I pro- Put your phone down. I got to find out what ethnicity that is. It doesn't matter. It it's, does. It's, it is. It's Scandinavian. Some type of Scandinavian. It doesn't matter. None of it matters. I think Eddie Redmayne would actually be really good. Okay, anyway, go ahead. All right, so the symbiotes are a species of extra... Swedish. Are... <laughs> I was right. <laughs> Species of extraterrestrial parasitic beings. Symbiotes bond with their hosts, creating a symbiotic bond through which a single entity is created. So where's he from then? Who? Carnage. We're going to get into that. That's where we're going. To get there faster, because I need to I know. Can't, I can't. Somebody keeps interrupting. <laughs> I can't get there at all. All right. All right. Bitch, I'm going to shut up. I'm going <laughs> right. to shut up faster than a girl in math class. <laughs> all right, let's go. All right. All right. They also are able to slightly alter their host personalities. You're a fucking asshole. (laughs) (laughs) Like, can I do my thing, please? I don't know. Can you? There are people who want to hear this. I want to hear it. Well, this isn't helping. (laughs) Well, I was trying to get you to speed up. I'm not going to speed. I'm not going to read any faster. All right. They they also are able to slightly alter their host personalities by influencing. You said that. By influencing their darkest desires and wants, along with amplifying their physical and emotional traits and personality, granting them superhuman abilities. Symbiotes were originally created by an ancient malevolent primordial deity named Null. When the Celestials, do you remember the Celestials were mentioned in Guardians of the Galaxy? No? No. All right. So when the Celestials began their vast plan to evolve the universe, Null seeing that his kingdom was being touched, retaliated by constructing All Black, the first symbiote and decapitated a celestial. 
All right, again, going back to Guardians of the Galaxy, do you remember a place called Nowhere? I don't know if you know this, but stop asking me questions if you want to hurry this up, because I don't well, remember I any of this shit. So we need to watch Guardians of the Galaxy. You don't remember a place called Nowhere. They reference it in multiple Marvel movies. It's a floating head in the galaxy. Shh. Do you remember it or not? No. You don't remember the giant floating head? I don't remember anything. It's like a planet they go to. It's called Nowhere. Then, yes, I remember it if that'll help you. You don't remember the giant floating head? All right. Well, listener, do you remember a place called Nowhere? It's the giant floating head. This is the origin of that head. It is the head of a celestial. It was uh, decapitated by Null, the king of the symbiotes. All right. So after he decapitated the celestial, uh, the other celestials banished Null along with the severed celestial head deeper into the void. After that, he started using the head with its cosmic energies as a forge for the symbiotes where they got the weaknesses of sound and fire. So, as you may remember from... Yes, I did. I remember. That I they saw. are... Yes. Do you remember that yes. they're weak to yes. sonics and flames, right? Which, everybody's weak to flames, though. That's that's just funny to me. Like, yes, I saw you know anybody who's of... like, flames are fine. <laughs> like, fire, fire is just like a pretty common weakness. Deadpool. All right, uh... Uh, I lost my spot here. All right. He then, Null then went embarking on a genocide against the other gods. When battling the other gods, uh, he crashed on a desolate planet where All Black left him and went to Gore, which is another planet, since Gore was full uh, <laughs> full with hate. <laughs> and uh, he tried to kill another, the other god and Null. All right. The All Black has kind of been mentioned in Thor Ragnarok when Hela shows up. Those swords she throws are kind of made out of the all black so that's kind of a reference to the symbiotes i don't think i could tell you how bored i am right now <laughs> how did you go from like head over heels because you shut me down so now i'm checked out so let's go hurry it up you have to be engaged we're doing a show <laughs> you, like you can't just choose to you can't like that's not how entertainment works you can't so just... so first of all when you say all black is that one word no it's a hyphenated word I don't know. It's kind of like all sport. What's all sport? Is it like it deodorant? Was, no, it was a it was an energy drink back in like the late 90s. I don't know what you're talking about. There was Gatorade, then there was Powerade, then there was all sport. All right. All well, sport is gone now. I don't, Yeah, I'm sure because it sounds like a deodorant. <laughs> I wouldn't want to drink. There might have like been a deodorant either. called that as well. All right. All right. Null then reawakens and... He creates an army of symbiotes that he used to conquer planets and devour entire civilizations, establishing the process, the, the symbiote Imperium. However, when a dragon-like composite went to the medieval Earth, Thor defeated it and destroyed the connection between Null and the symbiotes. This is all backstory for Absolute Carnage, basically, is what I'm giving you here. And this is also retconning. All this stuff, these are all developments made in the last year as far as the symbiotes go, because it used to be everyone... Readers all thought that the symbiotes were from a planet called Clintar, but that got changed. And I'll explain what that is now. I and always thought it was weird that symbiotes would come from another planet and that yet they would be named things like Venom. Yeah, that is that's some goofy 90s writing. That's straight out of the 90s. That's just odd. Yeah, that, that's some goofy shit. There's I, I can't dispute that. <laughs> like, like why have, are you named something in English? Right. That is so cool. <laughs> like, yeah, like, like Venom and uh, riot and yeah. scream and all that stuff. Like that's fucking that, like you show up here and you have world's coolest names that are so fitting. <clears throat> all right. So Thor 
uh, destroys the connection between Null and the symbiotes. Wait, so where does Carnage come in? It's a little ways off. Oh, I gotta get some, Jesus some history age. here. Uh, upon Null, well, this is all backstory to Absolute Carnage in the hopes that then people will either digitally download or go to their comic shops and purchase Absolute Carnage. So you're not even going to tell us? Like I, I will tell you. No, we'll get to that. But, uh, but just, <laughs> this is all important stuff as far as the symbiotes go. Because uh, they don't give a lot of history of the symbiotes in the movies. You know, people haven't seen much. We just I know saw, it's from space. That's I, I all saw, we know of, from the movies. I saw Venom. They come in from space. Yeah, but aren't you curious where no. these little amorphous blobs come from? Not at all. Well, I am. They, so we're going to keep talking about they it. They came in on J Jonah Jameson's son's AirPod thing. John Jameson. John. Yeah, they just killed him. He's supposed to be a werewolf. Why did they kill him? That's weird. Because werewolves aren't a thing. <laughs> <laughs> but Venom's a thing, so werewolves could be a thing. <laughs> Venom's not a thing either. That's a, weird, that's a weird thing to do. You know what? That's where I'm planting my flag. No werewolves. <laughs> <laughs> no werewolves. Gotcha. All right. So upon Null's severed connection to the symbiotes, the symbiote hive mind began to explore notions of honor and nobility as they bonded to benevolent hosts. The symbiote subsequently rebelled against their god, imprisoning him at the heart of an artificial planet in the Andromeda galaxy they called Clintar, which is their word for cage. Uh, ashamed of oh, their okay. dark past, the symbiotes of Clintar desire to spread and maintain peace throughout the cosmos by seeking out worthy hosts from various species in order to create an organization of noble warriors. However, these altruistic goals were imperfect as the Clintar symbiotes could be corrupted by hosts with harmful chemical imbalances or problematic personality attributes, turning them into destructive parasites who would spread lies and disinformation about their own kind in order to make other people's fear and hate the symbiote uh, species as a whole. So this is kind of the, the retconning stuff I'm talking about. So everybody thought that, like, but Clintar is actually, it means cage, and the, this cage is actually composed of symbiotes to, to imprison uh, Null. Mm -hmm. All right. That's what I thought. So the first appearance of a symbiote in the Marvel com comic universe was in Amazing Spider-Man number 252. Uh, also, so these all, it, it appeared in three books in the same month because these all three of these books came out the same goddamn month in May of 1984. Amazing Spider-Man 252, Spectacular Spider-Man number 90, and Marvel Team-Up number 141. And this is where Spider-Man brings one home to Earth after the Secret Wars. Uh, which Secret Wars were ongoing, and, and that wasn't explained until later where he got this costume until Secret Wars 8, which didn't come out until months later. All right. The concept for this all-black costume, which is what the Venom symbiote, you know, this is the, the original symbiote in the comics was basically Venom, right? The black suit, Spider-Man. Concept was created by a Marvel Comics reader, uh, and Marvel purchased the idea from him for $220. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> Your face. <laughs> that's not enough. Yeah, right. That's not enough dollars. Well, that's the thing, though. You don't know. You, here's like, dude. If Marvel gave me two hundred dollars for anything, I'd be ecstatic, right? No. You get there are new characters introduced in the Marvel universe every month. You never know when one of them is just gonna fucking take the fuck off. Didn't right? you see Spider-Man three? When Tobey Maguire is all like, hey, baby, give me some milk for my cookies. <laughs> like, it takes <laughs> off. That's That's the, yeah, it was in movies. All right. All right. So then the, that original design was then modified by artist Mike Zeck, whom I really like. Who, he did a lot of Punisher uh, covers and, and interiors uh, on the original five issue Punisher limited That's series. That's totally ties in. I just, Mike Zeck's a great artist. Uh, and eventually becoming the, the Venom symbiote. 
All right, the first full appearance of Venom is in Amazing Spider-Man number 300, which was in May 1988, after the symbiote bonds with Eddie Brock. So that is when Venom is actually introduced, is when he actually bonds with Eddie Brock. And I, I have Amazing Spider-Man 300. It's one of my prized possessions that you got for me. So thank you. I, I love having Venom's first appearance. It's a big deal. All right. Yep. All right, so Eddie Brock. Who is Eddie Brock, Maggie? Uh, Eddie Brock wears too many bracelets. He... <laughs> Again, with the we got to do the movie. He Eddie also Brock. talks with a mush mouth. Oh, unless we're talking about Topher Grace adaptation, where it talks like he's got a retainer in, and then also he is a disgraced journalist or photog, depending on which version you are going. All right, with. look at you. All right, yeah. All right, so Eddie Brock is a journalist who publicly exposes the identity of a man he believes is a serial killer, only to find his reputation ruined when Spider-Man captures the real killer. Disgraced and suicidal, he comes into contact with the alien symbiote, which had been recently rejected by Peter Parker when Peter Parker realized it was an alien and not some yes. sort of. I saw suit. that in Spider-Man Three as well. And it's a lot like that in the comics, where he's at the the the, the bell church, tower. yeah, yeah, bell tower thing. All right, so the symbiote bonds with Eddie Brock, and they become Venom together, seeking out revenge against their mutual enemy, Spider-Man. Uh, this origin um, is really lame because i don't understand why uh i don't know what do you think that let, let, let's say that happened let's say but i don't know if, if a journalist is interviewing a serial killer and then publishing the articles don't you think people would just be angry about that alone if they if this guy really like, thinks why, he's are you, why are you why are you just interviewing this guy right <laughs> well then he got he did get the one thing they did cover slightly in the comics was the fact that because of this, the police were following up with him instead of following viable leads because he because Eddie got duped. Other people got duped, including the police. And then Spider-Man's like, no, this is the real Sin Eater. I got him. Now, he was never out to Sin Eater. Yeah, that was the name of the killer, the Sin Eater. Mm, okay. um, it's comics in the 80s. <laughs> and anyway got it but spider-man was never out to disparage eddie brock at all you know he got rid of the suit and the suit hated him the symbiote hated spider-man because he rejected him right and now eddie brock hated him because he didn't get him enough milk for his cookies <laughs> i stopped bringing no. the terrible movie venom I into saw this it. and he was all like i stopped brushing my hair back in this movie all right so i'm, I'm, I'm toby mcguire i'm a bad boy now <laughs> All right, he repeatedly... I have bangs. He repeatedly comes into conflict with Spider-Man, but he also attempts to operate as a hero, albeit a very violent one who bites off heads, seeking to those who he deems innocent. Like writer, a turd in the wind. Writer David Michelini intended to have... Now, David Michelini is behind a lot of the bad thing, and I don't want to shit on David Michelini. I it don't. sounds like that's what I, you're doing. I know, it really when does. When you say... David Michelini is behind a lot of the bad things. Yeah. That sounds but he's, very you know, much But like he's also involved with, you know, the creation of Venom. But his stories were really bad, though. Right. Just bad like, stories. It has a lot to do with the creation of Venom. And then I don't you think say, he had any... But then you say, Venom has been shitty since his creation in the 90s. Yes. It's, he's, pure, he's been a purely visual character. So it sounds character. to me like you're shitting on David Michelini. I give all the credit to Todd McFarlane because... People like me bought Venom stories because of how Venom looked. It certainly wasn't the writing. And that's, that's I give the credit to Todd McFarlane. All right, well, you're going to have to get behind Wanda if you want to suck Todd McFarlane dick because I he's busy. Okay. <laughs> Let's go you, a little far, I think. I know, I just you like are Tom, just a fanboy. I like Todd McFarlane a lot. I have a lot of respect for him. He's, yeah, he's... Well, if you do meet him, if you could find out about Bob. 
Yes, <laughs> that's gonna be my question. I'm gonna go to a convention and I'm be like, "Is your dad around?" I have Dude, questions. Dude, if we do go, that's gonna be my question. <laughs> I'm gonna be like, "Excuse me, excuse me, Todd, could you answer some questions about Bob?" <laughs> All right. So David Michelini intended to have uh, Eddie Brock get killed off in Amazing Spider-Man 400 and have the symbiote continue to bond with a series of different hosts. Which actually did eventually happen, but uh, people yeah. like me want Eddie Brock he, to come back. He bonded with that dog. That's again the movies. And then he bonded with that chick, and he had boobs. No, in the comics, he bonded with like Matt Gargan, who is Scorpion. He oh yeah, Flash Matt Thompson. Gargan. Yeah. If my last name was Gargan, I would be so put out. <laughs> I would be like changing my name. All right. Um, however, as uh, Eddie Brock and Venom's popularity increased, Marvel would not allow him to be killed. Smart move, Mark. Uh, Michelini decided to create a new character, a total psychopath who, unlike Venom, had no sense of morality. The human component of Carnage's first host, Cletus Cassidy, was designed by artist Eric Larson, creator of the Savage Dragon. I know who Eric Larson is. Okay. Stop. That's not the first time that you've tried to tell me who Eric Larson is. Uh, He's bald. He modeled the character after the Joker, is who Cletus Cassidy is kind of uh, based on. Oh, that explains the clown hair. Yeah. All right, so... Cassidy was introduced in Amazing Spider-Man number 344 and first appears as Carnage in issue number 361. As the host of the Carnage symbiote, he is the main villain in the 1993 Maximum Carnage crossover. See what? Is this a crossover episode? But did you hear the name Maximum Carnage? And then this This year's is called Absolute Carnage. It's a sort of throwback to 93, which is the year I started reading comics, which is really cool. So is it eventually going to become... or wait, what's this one called? Absolute? Absolute Carnage. So is it eventually going to be Ultimate? Sure. Okay. There was a minimum Carnage storyline. There, <laughs> <So was. just, laughs> there was. There was. Just, just, just a little going, bit of Carnage. Carnage, carnage, carnage just running around going, I'm just fucking shit up a little bit. <laughs> He's just stealing gum and stuff. Uh, I'm just here to fuck with your shit just a tiny bit. Minimum Carnage. All right, so that was a 14-part storyline crossover. <laughs> <laughs> what are you laughing at? The middle of carnage. <laughs> that was a thing. That was a thing. All right, so Cletus Cassidy was a severely mentally unstable serial killer who briefly shared a cell with Eddie Brock while Cletus Cassidy was serving 11 life sentences for lots of the murdering. Who, who are you talking to? What? What are you doing? Stop it. Put it down. That's super rude. Super rude, bro. We're do- this is so unprofessional. Well, We're doing told- a show. Yeah, but you told me. We're doing me- a show. But you told me not to engage with you. So I was No, I didn't. I never said that. I said I didn't want to talk about Bill Skarsgård fucking ethnic origins. He's I don't Swedish. care. He's Inga from Sweden. All right. So while they served time together, uh, Eddie broke out, but he left just a little part of his symbiote behind. And that's how Carnage was born. Oh, Oh, He's, Carnage is like the son of Venom. Oh, do you think that's? Oh, when he goes to interview Cletus, you think that's what happens? <laughs> you think that's what happens when he goes to interview him? I don't know. In the cutscene. I love when you get excited, though. This is genuine excitement, by the way. She's not pretending. She <laughs> like, actually put this together and is very excited <laughs> at this notion. Well, that's what happens when I figure things out. Well, because normally what happens is like I figure. Oh, so that's where he gets it. But is he red because the guys are redhead? Is that what I understand? Maybe. Maybe. Oh, is there more to it? I no, oh, I don't know. Because Actually, what I what I remember, and this isn't in my research, 
is the difference between Venom and Carnage, and I remember this from the very first issue of Maximum Carnage, is the Venom or the, the symbiote like mixes with uh, uh, Cletus Cassidy's blood and it's like in his bloodstream. Oh, so they can't even right. like it's like hard to remove it from him because it's like if and that's why if he maybe? gets what? Well, yeah, it's, it's his blood. And, um, it's like a blood thing. If his skin gets punctured, he can unleash the the symbiote kind of thing. Yeah. You look horrified. Well, yeah, I'm glad that's not real life. <laughs> like, that's... that's what I remember. I, I could be wrong about that. You you guys can fact check me on that. But that's that's how I remember uh, Carnage, why he's red, because he's mixed with Cletus Cassidy's blood. So so you think maybe that's like that's something that happens when he's like, this is a me thing, not a we thing. When You know, at the end of the movie. Um, and that that might be. How well, he uh, Venom doesn't. I mean, the symbiote, I don't I, I don't think it has a desire to. I mean, he's very content with Eddie Brock. I think it was just like an accident well, then how that he left that behind happen? the symbiote. Then how? Well, in the again in the comics, they share time in a cell together. But they, that doesn't happen in the movie. So how did no. he get it in the? I don't know. They'll find a way. I mean, Eddie Brock doesn't get the symbiote. Life. Um, it's a uh, what's that? Finds a way. Yeah. All right. All right. So the Carnage symbiote was born with abilities even more singular than those of of Venom, due to the fact that it gestated in an environment alien to itself by gestating on earth the alien symbiote endows cassidy with physical strength greater than that of spider-man and venom combined carnage is very very strong uh as well as shape-shifting abilities that allows him to and also allows him to project a web-like substance from any part of his body including the formation of weapons and enables him to plant thoughts into a person's head using a symbiote tendril so it seems kind of spider-man-y well, that's the thing is because the symbiote bonded with Spider-Man, he absorbed some of Spider-Man's powers and abilities. Seems kind of Spider-Man's. Yeah, that, and that's why Venom has a lot of you know can do the web swinging and all that stuff because it was on he was on Spider-Man at one point. He was Spider-Man's. So, so why are you trying to promote this? Because I think it's great. And I, I want people to read Absolute Carnage. I think they'd enjoy it. it was the first issue so was great. So what's happening in Absolute Carnage? So right. Carnage is just running in between all these comic books, fucking shit up? Uh, kind of, but it's different. So Carnage has evolved. All right. Cle up until recently, Cletus Cassidy, dead. Carnage, symbiote, dead. I don't even know how they came back because I didn't read that portion. However, there was <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of comics out there. There's but, a lot of comics. I don't have time to read them. But I did read The Cult of Carnage, where Cletus Cassidy was leading a cult, or Carnage was, and he was ripping people's spines out for some reason. Yeah. And like Fatality. Um, That's the name of the cult. Fatality. But Carnage is a lot different now. He looks scarier. You can't, like, you. he doesn't look as human as he, he still has, like, a human form, but you can see, like, his pelvis and his spine now. Like, he doesn't have, like, flesh anymore. But he's like red and bony and stuff. So basically, so that, that stuff I was eat. mentioning earlier about Null, uh, Venom and Miles Morales Spider-Man defeated Null, like the, the new form of Null at one point. And Carnage is back and has absorbed his power. So now Carnage has the ability to turn other people into like his like like mini Carnage. Well, not mini, but like. They're, they're like Carnage now like as well. Symbiotes. Kind of like zombies. He's got his own Carnage army now. And he's 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 fucking all kind of shit up. So Venom and Spider-Man have teamed up. And they have some fantastic dialogue in Absolute Carnage. Because, you know, they don't have a great relationship with, you know, Venom trying to kill everybody Spider-Man loves all the time in the past. <laughs> and all that. Kind of, they have a lot of history. Well, yeah, but it's a different Spider-Man, right? 
Wait, what? It's Miles Morales now. No, 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 no. You just said Miles Morales Spider-Man. Well, no, that's who helped Venom kill. But no, but when I say Spider-Man, I mean Peter Parker. Oh, when I just you spe- just said Miles Morales. Well, yeah, Spider-Man. but I always specify Miles Morales Spider-Man. That's the problem with having two people named fucking Spider-Man in the same universe. It's so stupid. It's fucking stupid to have two people with the same fucking name running around. In the, it was one thing when Miles Morales was in his own, was in the Ultimate Universe, and you could just call him Ultimate Spider-Man. But now you have to say Miles Morales Spider-Man, and then there's Spider-Man. <laughs> like There's always a distinction. So no, Venom and, and actual Spider-Man are partnered up. And uh, again, part of the storyline... Ah, oh, man, the, you should just... You've really got to read like the last year's worth of Venom comics. They're no, really good. You find out that the, the symbiote has been fucking with Eddie's brain and actually implanted false memories. Can, like, at one point he had cancer, but he actually... It turns out he, he didn't have cancer. Uh, he convinced him he had a little sister, but he never had a little sister. And then, yeah. That's some serious Munchausen by proxy shit. Yeah, and so Eddie Brock abandons the symbiote, but the symbiote comes back and saves Eddie. And, like... It, it's it's really good stuff. It's great stuff. But I don't think so. Everybody Sounds... go buy Absolute Carnage. Don't read fan fiction. Read real comics. That's where it's at. I'll put that out there. I think she, he's talking to you, Esty. <laughs> that, that, that's directed at one person. Esty, there's all these wonderful stories out there written by really talented people. And they're actual canon. And they're worth looking into. Sammy. They're called comic books. Sammy wants some attention, so we. All right, well that's that's all I got. Pick up long. Absolute Carnage issue one is available now. Who cares? <laughs> You're such all a right. Dick. All right, that's everything for today. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.